0: Starkful Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1. So good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Welcome to Starkville Church of God. I know that's already been mentioned, but I want to say that one more time. We're so glad that you're here excited about what the Lord has been doing here. I've just, there is just a level of excitement in the house that uh, I just, I can't completely describe it, but I just know I'm thankful and I'm grateful for it. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse one. I'm gonna preach today on something that you probably don't hear a lot of anymore, um, but the Lord laid this on my heart. Some of you may remember a few months, a month or so back, I mentioned that I was going to preach this, if the Lord allowed me. It's not the first time I've ever preached on this, but uh, we'll get into it. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1. If you got it, would you say amen? Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. I want to speak to you this morning, and I want you to make sure I've got a lot of Scripture I want you to write it down. I want you to follow with me in your Bible or your device, however you're doing it. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, why I don't drink alcohol. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray for me as I do the same for you? Father, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you for this day. Wow, what an what a awesome atmosphere there has been so far, Lord. The, I believe the table has been set. Lord, we've pulled ourselves up, and now we're ready for your word. So, Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice here in this sanctuary, those listening by podcast you'd open their hearts, their minds, and their spirits. Let them be receptive to what you want to say, what your word has to say to them here today. And I ask that you'd help me today, that you'd anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so necessary to do what you've called me to do here. Lord, I just pray that the word of God would be like fire shut up in my bones today. And God, we give you the thanks and the praise and the honor. In Jesus' mighty name and everybody in the house says... Amen. As your seated, would you turn around to two or three people, fist bump two or three, say, I'm glad to see you at Starkville Church of God today. There's something that I have, the Lord helped me to do a long time ago. I've, I've told somebody, I'm not going to retell the whole story. The Lord's blessed me in my ministry to be able to preach in all kinds of places, different countries, different sizes of crowds. And I've learned, whenever we can kind of go back to that whole small thing, I've learned even preaching to small crowds to just preach what the Lord told me to do, say, His Word, and He would always take care of it. So I'm here today preaching a subject that uh, is really not new. The debate of the place of alcohol in a Christian's life is certainly no new subject. There are some certainties that Scripture gives us about alcohol then there are some things that Scripture doesn't come out clearly and say. But in this message, I want to show you what the Bible does say about alcohol. I don't want to preach Dennis Laughlin's opinion. I want to show you what the Word of God has to say about it. Because every person in this room is no doubt going to be faced with the opportunity at some point to consume alcohol. Student, you will most likely be somewhere where many of your peers are consuming it at a party, at a restaurant, maybe even next week in the junction. You'll be somewhere where others are consuming it. High school student, you'll be somewhere eventually where sell your friends or some of your friends. You're going to be in a place and it's going to be pushed your direction and say, would you like a drink? Hey, even a preacher, I'll give you this. It's kind of funny. Uh, uh, and in a humorous way, here I won't ever forget. In 2014, I was down in Baton Rouge for the game that Dak really became Dak, the stiff arm and the win against LSU. But as we were walking in, those LSU fans weren't expecting it. As I was walking into Tiger Stadium, I was walking, and all of a sudden, I felt something kind of hit me in the chest, and I grabbed it as soon as I could. And this guy was like, it was a beer. He was like, here. I had all my Mississippi State stuff. He's like, here, you're gonna need this before this. Night's over with. I wish I would have kept it and found him afterwards and said, No, buddy, it looks like you needed it uh, before this night's over with. But I said, No, thanks, I don't want it. So, every one of us adults, you may be at a business meal, at a friend's house, out on the golf course somewhere, and you're going to have the opportunity to decide whether or not you're going to consume alcohol. And when the rubber meets the road, it is you that has to decide if you're going to allow alcohol to be a part of your life or not. Because I'm telling you today, if you don't, most likely somebody else is going to decide for you. Hear me, young person. If you don't decide right here and right now what part alcohol is going to play in your life, it's going to end up being forced on you. If you don't decide where your standards are, and that's not just with alcohol, that's with anything. If you don't decide your standards, if you don't set your standards, I'm telling you that the enemy will send somebody your way that will push you in a direction that you don't want to go. Somebody say amen. So this morning I want to give you Bible for this. I want to go first of all, my first main point if you're taking notes is to show you that drinking alcohol is destructive. Go with me to the book of Genesis chapter nine, the book of Genesis chapter nine. Again, I've got a lot and I'm going to try to go slow enough because I want you to try to find it. But please, if you, if you want to use your phone, if you've got a a, a tablet of some sort, an iPad, whatever you're doing, I want you to look at this with me because I want you to know this is not just my opinion. The book of Genesis chapter nine and verse 20, The, the flood has come. The ark has sailed. The floods have receded, and now Noah has come out of the ark. And here in chapter 9 of the book of Genesis, verse 20, And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. And he said, Blessed be the Lord of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servants. You see, we find here that Noah, after getting off the ark, I mean, This was, I mean, Noah survived the apocalypse. Noah was the only one, him and his family, him, Noah, his wife and his three sons and their wives. They were the ones that throughout all the wickedness of the world, the Bible said, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah built the ark. Noah preached while he built the ark. Noah survived the flood where every other human that was not on that ark perished. And the ark lands and he gets off the ark and he starts a vineyard. And what does he do? He gets drunk. And what does this drunkenness end up leading to? It leads to a bad situation. That I don't even have to get into the details. I think just reading it, you see it's a bad situation, and his son ended up being cursed because of it. You can move on a little farther. Look at Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19 and verse 30. We move on just here in the book of Genesis, and we find another story. Genesis chapter 19, verse 30. It's this is Lot, Abraham's nephew. A lot had been saved. Here again, here again is another person, a person that because of the intercession of his uncle Abraham, God said, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham interceded on behalf of Lot, his nephew. And Lot, and originally Lot, his wife, and his daughters escaped. But we know the story. His wife turned back, she turned into a pillar of salt. And now we find Lot here in Genesis 19 and verse 30 with his daughters, and Lot went up to Zoar and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar, and he dwelt in a cave, and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there's not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with their father. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger. Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in, and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drunk, drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him. And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when he arose. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. Again, a story that I don't want to go into the details of. You've heard enough right there. But once again, we find the detriment of allowing alcohol and being drunk, what it will do. Go with me down to the book of Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. The book of Daniel chapter 5 and verse 1. We come to a guy named Belshazzar. Everybody say Belshazzar. Belshazzar's dad was somebody that you probably have heard. It's one of them Sunday school names that you love to say because it's kind of hard to say sometimes. Nebuchadnezzar was his father. Belshazzar's dad, Nebuchadnezzar, was used by the Lord to bring judgment on Judah because they had sinned against the Lord. And they had taken, they went and destroyed Jerusalem. They had taken, destroyed the temple, taken all of the gold, all of the things out of the temple. And in Daniel chapter 5, we find Belshazzar, son of Nebuchadnezzar. Chapter 5, verse 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords. Listen to this. this, is key. And drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, once again, this is making this clear here. "...while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines, might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines, drank in them." They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. You see, Belshazzar had gotten into this party, and in this twice in two verses. It makes sure to let us know that Belshazzar was consuming some wine. And as he did that, suddenly he got bold. Can I just tell you that when you get drunk, or you get buzzed, or you start consuming alcohol and loosening up, you're going to do some stuff that you normally wouldn't do. And I'm not even going to stop and wait for any amens this morning, because I know what I'm talking about is true. And Belshazzar did that. He got full of wine. He got to feeling good about himself. And suddenly, while drunk, he profanes that which is holy. He got bold and said, you know what? Bring all of that stuff from the temple of of God uh, in Jerusalem, and we're going to drink out of it, and we're going to party out of it, and he profaned that which is holy, and that's when, if you've ever heard the story, you've ever heard the phrase, the writing on the wall, this is where it came from, because suddenly a hand appeared and wrote on the wall, and that night. Belshazzar died. Why? Because he got drunk and in his drunkenness, he profaned that which was holy. Can I just remind you in this first point that everywhere I look, I find that alcohol will destroy you and it will destroy those around you. I know it's not popular preaching anymore. I know a lot of people don't like to hear this anymore, but I can't help as I look through the scripture. We're going to look at some more, but I can't help but see that there is nothing beneficial that ever happens with it. Secondly, what the Bible says about alcohol. Look with me at Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. I mean, I'm going to take this simple. I want you to get this. Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Can I start at a very basic level right here for some in this room? The law of the land designates drinking at 21 so that drink under age is against the law and if you are breaking the law you are disobeying what the Lord has told you to do in His Word. It's the law of the land. It's what God says. So if you are under age I can just start right there with the basics and if you are doing something that is against the law according to the New Testament He says obey the laws of the land. If it is a law that does not pitch you against what the Word tells you to do. Listen, there are times that I don't want to drive 65 miles an hour, but the law says it, and if I break that and I get caught, I'm going to get a ticket. Somebody help me this morning. I don't like everything, but driving 65 or 55 or 35 does in no way jeopardize my relationship with the Lord, and so therefore, those types of laws, we as Christians, we are commanded to obey them.
1: Well, I got a few of you with me. (laughs)
0: Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. The Bible says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now here's where some people start getting debating, but we can lay this very clearly right here. I can very clearly and very distinctly tell you that if you are under 21 and you are drinking, you are sinning because it's against the law. And I can also tell you that if you get drunk, according to the New Testament—not Old Testament—but according to the New Testament, you as a Christian, me as a Christian, we should not get drunk. Now you can say amen to that. That was delayed. Y'all done got nervous or something? I don't know. We know those definitely. Now let's go back to the book of Proverbs where, where our text came from. The book of Proverbs, we're going to go over to, uh, to chapter 23. book of Proverbs chapter 23. You know what this is. Most of you know the book of Proverbs. It's a book of wisdom. And so let's find some wisdom here. The book of Proverbs chapter 23, verses 29. Let's look there. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29. Who hath woe? who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes. Verse 30, they that tarry long at wine, they that go and seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me. Shalt thou say that I was not sick? They have beaten me. I have not felt it. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. So here I want you to see this. Verse 31. It says here, look not upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color upon the cup, when it moveth out right. We begin to look at this, at this word, and there's a word used in here that can be translated, gaze. And it means to see, look upon, gaze, to, to see, to examine. And it can be used in the sense of to choose, suggesting that fermented wine must not be looked on with. Desire. In other words, if we look at this, I believe God instructs his people to not even think about drinking this fermented wine. No allowance here is made for moderate or social drinking. That that little phrase, red, sparkles, goes down easy, refers to the issue of fermentation. Because, this I've been in this thing long enough. I've been in hip- holiness and Pentecost long enough, and I've done her all the art. But what about it? You know, well, it don't matter. What if it's, if it's got this alcohol or if I just drink and I don't get drunk and all that? Listen, I'm showing you, I'm showing you through Scripture, I don't really find any place, when I really begin to study this book, any place that God's like, all right, just go ahead and drink and have fun. Isaiah 28, y'all wanna keep going? We are, Isaiah 28, verse seven. Isaiah 28 and verse seven. And these also stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are befuddled with wine. They reel from beer, they stagger when seeing visions, they stumble when rendering decisions. All the tables are covered with vomit and there is not a spot without filth. What do we find in Isaiah 28 here? We find a sad picture of priests and prophets who have allowed alcohol to mar their ministry. And brothers and sisters, I just have to stand here and tell you and I'll get into it a little bit more in a second. This is one of the reasons why I feel like I've got to stand up here. I know where I'm at. I know I'm in a college town. I know the first home game is next week. I know that people everywhere, even in the church, seem to just be accepting this kind of thing. But I can't stand in here in good conscience and let you sit under my preaching and not stop every once in a while and talk about a subject that affects a whole lot of people and that is that we cannot allow alcohol to ruin us and ruin our testimony and our ministries i want to talk to you about somebody a nazirite everybody say Nazarite. now we know a nazirite if you may know you may not know but when you study the old testament you'll find jesus was a nazirite also that God distinguished people that were called Nazarites. They were to be set apart and dedicated wholly to the Lord. In fact, I got a book, a book that was written uh, by a Jewish scholar. She's not even she's not even a Messianic Jew. This she is. This is all out of the Hebrew and out of all. It is very interesting when you study really deep into a Nazarite, and I can't get into all that this morning. Uh, but just know it might be coming one day. Uh, but but we know that in a Nazarite they were to be dedicated to the Lord in Numbers chapter six and. Verse three, the instructions of a Nazarite says that he must abstain from wine and other fermented. Drink Well, then we jump to the book of Amos chapter 2 and verse 12. Now, Israel knew this. It had been around a long time that a Nazarite, they were to abstain from wine, other fermented drink. You know, I preached on Samson not too long ago. He was a Nazarite. He was not supposed to touch dead things. He was not supposed to touch the fruit of the vine. But you know what happened there. But now we jump to Amos chapter 2 and verse 12, and we find something. We find that a rebellious Israel, we find, had influenced the dedicated Nazarites. Nazarite to drink. The, the prophet Amos said, you have, you have influence, you have caused the Nazarite to drink. And God pronounces judgment then in verse 13 of Amos chapter 2. He says, now then, I will crush you as a cart crushes when loaded with grain. The swift will not escape, the strong will not muster their strength, and the warrior will not save his life. I'm telling you, you say, Pastor, why in the world? Why in the world, right here at the beginning of a new semester and the beginning of a new school year, why in the world would you stand up behind a pulpit and preach about alcohol because of this right here, because of the fact that the people of God were influencing those that were supposed to be staying away from drinking, and not only were they saying it's okay, but they were even pushing them toward it. And I've just gotten sick and tired. Oh, Lord, help me. Don't let me get in the flesh. Right, I've gotten sick and tired of these influencing preachers get on social media and drink. I, I've seen it. I'm not even gonna call any names, but there's been preachers, and I'm not even talking about preachers and denominations that are okay with alcohol. The preachers that are supposed to be in circles that have long rejected alcohol, and they'll get on and they'll have them a little glass of wine, and they'll be preaching about this social drinking is okay. I just gotta tell you, y'all can run me out of town on a rail if you want to, but I know that I've got an eternity to face God, and I cannot stand up here and let you think that it's all right just to go around drinking as Christians and be dry. I have a responsibility. I've got a God that I answer to, and I need to tell somebody that we, as the people of Almighty God, we have a responsibility to stay away from that stuff,
1: Is there anyone else that kind of gets the sense
0: that a Christian and alcohol just don't mix? Let's keep on moving. I've I got plenty of time. I'm moving fast here. Then in this whole debate of things, people talk about the Lord's Supper, communion. But when you begin to study that, the Greek word for wine is oinos. Now, it can refer either to fermented or non-fermented wine. Stay with me. However, The word oinos is never used anywhere in the Bible to reference the Lord's Supper. In fact, the first three gospel writers used the phrase fruit of the vine. Some want to try to bring it there, but the word oinos that could or couldn't be used for fermented or, or, or just plain juice, that word, Greek word is never used anywhere in the scripture when talking about the Lord's Supper. In the first three gospels, they simply use the phrase fruit of the vine. Can I take you a little further in this? We know that in this first Lord's Supper, when Jesus established it in that upper room, this was during Passover week and the law forbade yeast, which comes from the Hebrew word seor, which was obtained from the thick scum on the top of fermenting wine. So can you really honestly think that Jesus Christ on the Passover week would have brought in a fermented wine that comes from the, when it was forbidden anyway in that week of Passover? Folks, I just can't go along with that. Then we find Paul's instruction. I'm giving you some arguments that people give. Paul's instruction to Timothy. 1 Timothy 5.23. He said, drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. So then you get, you know, those that, listen, I've gotten older and I've just gotten so tired of people wanting to argue about how they can do wrong and get away with it. But I'm going to give you this because, because some people say, well... Preacher, how do you say that? Paul told Timothy, those that try to explain away and think it's okay to just go ahead and drink. Well, Paul told Timothy to take a little wine for his stomach. Let's go over some stuff. Y'all ready? Water in those days were oftentimes uh, unpure and filled with harmful bacteria or minerals. Purified water is not a problem for the vast majority of Americans today. Wine used for the stomach, according to ancient Greek writings on medicine. I'm not even talking about religious writings. Ancient Greek writings on medicine, wine used for the stomach, was often unintoxicating. So some might ask, well, why can't I just use a little wine for the medicinal purposes? Well, today there are many more medications that are available for use and history tells us that the alcohol content of wine in those days was far less than today so that's that argument but even if drinking in moderation wasn't wrong remember just listen to me even if i'm not saying it is but let's just say even if let's go to the book of first corinthians chapter 10 first corinthians chapter 10 verse 23 through 24 and then verse 33 first corinthians chapter 23 all things Are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. In other words, not seeking after that person, but looking out. It's not all about me, me, me. You've heard me preach this many, many times. This world is telling us it's all about you. It's all about what you want. It's how you want to feel good. It's everything that you want. But the Bible said, hey, this is not all about you. But think about your brother or sister in Christ. Verse 33 now. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. Now the issue here in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 before you say, oh, Pastor, you're taking that out of context. I know what it's about. It's talking about food that had been sacrificed to idols. And Paul here is telling them, listen, you can eat this food, even if it's been sacrificed to idols. We're out of that now. He said, except if it
1: causes somebody else to stumble. Oh, Lord, help us. For every person here
0: that can drink in moderation, there is most likely somebody besides you who can't, and you can't risk causing them
1: to stumble. You see, I'm, real, I'm, not, I'm not
0: stupid. I know that there are some people that can consume alcohol, and they can do it in a moderate way. They can drink it and they're not going to go and get drunk. They can drink it, have a little bit here, have a little bit there. They're not in danger of, of getting hooked on it, getting drunk, becoming a drunk and all that kind. I realize that. I know that there are people that can do that, but can I tell you for a certainty that there's a whole lot of people that can't. There's a whole lot of people that when they do take one drink, it don't stop with just one drink. There's a whole lot of people that if they do take drink that first beer, it's not going to be just the first beer. It's going to be the whole 12-pack or the whole case or the whole keg. They're going to drink and drink and drink and drink. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, Abstain from all appearances of evil. Oh, boy. Now, here's where we don't like to go a whole lot anymore. Because we don't preach holiness a whole lot anymore and we don't, talk about these things a whole lot anymore, but can I tell you that even if, again, even if it were okay to drink, now we stand on this ground of if, if is me drinking, is it going to influence somebody else in their life and cause them to
1: stumble? I'm almost done. Third and finally, Can you drink alcohol and get close to the Lord? Leviticus
0: chapter 10 and verse 8. Remember that the tabernacle was the Old Testament representation in the physical of what in the New Testament would happen in the spiritual. Remember, we do not live according to the law, I know, but the Old Testament teaches us a lot of things about God. Remember, God never changes. But the Old Testament teaches us things about the Lord and how He operates and how things go. And so let's go to Leviticus chapter 10 and verses 8 through 10. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, saying, Do not drink wine, nor strong drink thou, nor thy sons with thee, when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. And that ye may put difference, oh God, between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. Let me tell you what Scripture also does. That the closer to the presence of God you could get, the requirements got stricter and stricter. Leviticus chapter 21 gives us requirements between the priest and the high priest. Now we know that again If you don't know I don't have time this morning To go all into it But the tabernacle and the temple Were representations There was the outer court There was the holy place And then there was the most holy place The most holy place Was the place where the Ark of the Covenant was It was the place where the presence of God dwelt And so only one person in the Old Testament Only one guy Could go into the presence of God One time a year And that was the high priest And all the other places Then there were priests that could minister, but one guy, one time a year, could go into the holy, the most holy place, the holy of holies. And Leviticus twenty-one even gives us a distinction in the requirements of what you had to do to get closer to the presence of the Lord. According to Leviticus chapter twenty-one, a priest could marry a prostitute or a divorced woman. A high priest could not marry a prostitute or a divorced woman. According to Leviticus chapter 1, a priest that would never go into the presence of the Lord could only touch the dead body of a close relative. But the high priest who would go into the very presence of the Lord could not touch any dead body. It didn't matter if it was their spouse, their wife, or their children. They could not touch any dead body. A priest who was in the outer court or even in the holy place couldn't shave his head or shave off the edges of his beard. A high priest, the Bible said, he couldn't even allow his hair to be unkempt. He couldn't even allow his hair to not be brushed or fixed to go into the presence of the Lord. You say, dear God, pastor, are you saying that you gotta, you gotta brush your hair? To... No, what I am trying to show you is this, that there are things, yes, we know with the new covenant, the New Testament, Jesus' death, his blood, there are things that has changed, but there are also some things that have not changed. And the thing that never changes is God. And one of the things that we find about the Lord is, listen to me, the closer you wanna get to him, the more you have to be willing to give up. I like that in verse. I'm gonna read that one more time in Leviticus chapter ten and verse ten, that it may put a difference. Remember it was when and the Lord spake unto Aaron, Do not drink wine or strong drink, thou nor thy sons with you when you go to the tabernacle of the congregation, lest you die. And it'll be a statute through all generations. Verse 10, that and that ye may put a difference between holy and unholy, between clean and unclean.
1: So here's what I'm saying.
0: I want to encourage you. Put a difference between holy and unholy. I think you know me well enough now. Students, you're going to hang out with friends. You're going to go to places. And that's a whole nother sermon maybe about where you should and shouldn't go. But there's going to be times where you're going to have to. business person, there's going to be times where you're going to have to sit down with some people. And those people are going to choose to drink. And you're going to go to some place. Look, even before they started selling alcohol, I think we all, if you've been around enough, I've sat by enough people that go into the stadium and they buy the big cup of Coke and then they pull out the little Jack Daniels out of their purse or bag and dump it in there. Am I being too real for you? I don't want to make you all nervous here. I believe that God is calling us to say, make a difference. Make a difference between the holy and the unholy. Make a difference between the clean and the unclean. And I think you know me well enough by now also. If you don't, you're getting to know me. That I'm also not one that says, hey, it's time for us to just pull out of everything. Go try to build our own little compound and get it. No, absolutely not. Listen, if, the Bible said, no man, take. we used to sing a little song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Then you get to the verse, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. Come on, y'all getting here? Come on, y'all. y'all getting with it. So is the answer, don't ever go to another ball game, don't ever go out and eat with anybody? Absolutely not. Because if you hide it under a bushel, nobody's ever going to see it. Listen, I can go over to Davis Wade Stadium next Sunday and have me a great time without ever having to drink any alcohol at all. We're going to tailgate here. For the Arkansas game, us and everybody in this church is invited. We're going to tailgate right here on the property. Other Church of God people are going, and then whoever wants to go to the game is going, we can have a great time. We can eat burgers, and we can eat sausage, and we can drink Coca-Colas or sweet tea or whatever, and we can have a fantastic time without ever having to drink any alcohol. Amen. It's moving around a little bit.
1: What I want you to have as musicians and singers come, I believe that the enemy is using alcohol to destroy lives, to destroy marriages, to destroy families. I stood, I can't even remember how many years
0: ago it's been now. I said, well, I can actually go back to that. Anybody, anybody ever been up to Algoma before? I think I saw Mike Leach went up there this week. We had went up to Algoma. I was just a kid. My sisters were really young. We went up Highway 15 to Algoma. We'd ate that night. We were on our way back and we were coming through Hulka. This was for the days of seatbelts and all that that were such a big deal. I was laying in the back seat of our minivan. I was asleep And I wake up to I didn't know what exactly was going on But what had happened was There was a guy coming from Davis Lake Road Drunk Never stopped T-boned us Knocked us into the ditch there Thank the Lord that None of our family The five of us Mama, daddy, me, Catherine, Rebecca None of us were hurt that night Not every story turns out that good Alcohol destroys lives. Because years later, and it's been some time now, I stood at our family cemetery up in Houston. And on my daddy's side, there's my Aunt Robin, her, my Uncle Mark. If you've met them, they come every once in a while. Aunt Robin's the oldest, and there was my Aunt Jill, and Daddy was the baby. But I stood at our family cemetery as we buried my Aunt Jill. Why? Why? Drinking got a hold of her. She couldn't stop. Turned into drugs. And they found her out in California, dead. And she's buried there, out on Airport Road in Houston. So I'm not talking to you about stuff that I've never seen. I could tell you stories as a pastor, things I've seen. I want you to hear my heart today. I'm not trying to stand up here as some old legalistic guy trying to take all the fun out of everything. Trying to stand up here as a pastor and tell you that God has given me the opportunity to be able to preach to Sunday after Sunday and tell you that everywhere I read in this book and everything I've ever experienced in this life, That the life of a Christian is better off without alcohol in their life. And I know some are looking for that scripture, thou shalt not drink. And they they I gave you all these different reasons people have said over the years. And I'm never gonna stand up here and lie to you. I can't pull that out. I can't pull, I did pull out the one that says, be not drunk. But I can't pull out the one that says that in the New Testament. But I hope that as we have gone from the front of this thing all the way through this thing this morning that you have seen that alcohol, there's so many more good things that you can have in this life. So many more good things that you can have. Stay away from it. I like it. I'm a, I'm, I'm, I promise I'm done I want to read I want to read our text one more time because I think it pretty much sums it up very well remember Proverbs is our wisdom book and the book of Proverbs chapter 20 Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1 wine is a mocker strong drink is raging raging Whosoever is deceived by thereby is not wise. Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at Startville C O G. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at starkvillecog.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.